0: This, what a
1: and there we have it the semi-finals are in the books France were victorious over Croatia and of course Norway were victorious over Denmark and Alex Kules is in almost tears in Copenhagen Alex how crushed are you now from a, on a scale of 1 to 10
2: the dream was within the hands of the Danish nation in the home of handball and Herning, it was going to happen. And for about 50 minutes, I still believed Norway just did their thing. It felt like Norway really were hit as a shock at the quality of Denmark. They, it felt like it was the first time in the competition where they were fully challenged. And uh, the reaction that they came back with was just energy. And especially in that second half... It felt like they were the underdogs in the game. It felt like they were scrapping to stay in the competition. And I think that is something that this team has, which is very special. That ability to just get everyone in to bring their energy up and win games whenever they want.
1: We were listening to the post-match press conference. And it was Tahrir Hergaisen was saying after the... He said at at halftime, he was talking to... The girls and he's saying, This doesn't really look like Norway. This looks like a little bit a little part of Norway, but not fully like Norway. We need to go out there and play like Norway. Like I mean that sounds really bizarre that that's the kind of motivation that you say that you can say this is a really great team. Let's just go out and play like Norway. I don't know when we played for Ireland, or someone said just at half time, come on
2: guys, let's play like Ireland and go out there. We still got a smash, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I don't, I- if anything, we'd want to, us to not play like Ireland. Come on, lads! Okay. For the first time, for the first time ever, don't play like Ireland. No, but I think that
1: just shows you like the kind of level of confidence that they have in what they're doing, what Norwegian women's handball means to them, and just that they've set up this kind of almost like a dynasty at this stage, mm. and they just trying, need almost to remind themselves, come on, we're like, well, you know we're the best in the world. Let's just play like we're the best in the world again. And then they came out in the second half, a few few small changes. And they really looked like a totally different team. You know, the quality just went up a few levels and then Denmark's A game was really good in the first half. And I feel felt like their B our plan B or B game didn't have the same threat at all. And they kind of just really kind of almost looked at kind of ran out of ideas almost in, in the backcourt in the
0: late in the second half. For a while, as the day progressed, now I didn't say this to you, Brian, as we sat on the couch in the apartment watching the games, but watching Russia beat the Netherlands quite easily and then watching France absolutely hammer Croatia. I was beginning to wonder because as you do when you see two halves of the draw come together for the first time, like maybe just one half of the competition is so much better. And then for 30 minutes of that Denmark-Norway game, you're like, holy shit, Denmark are actually much better than Norway. And Norway, for the first time in this championship, were made to look incredibly ordinary. Looked so lost. And I think if it wasn't for those two two-minute suspensions that Meta Tramborg got, it would have been done and dusted. And Kasper Mortensen, the Danish and Barcelona left winger tweeted something similar to that as well. He said basically game done if in that first half. However, being four goals down, it ended up being three goals down at halftime. Like, Norway are going to find a way back into this. Katrina Lunda hadn't even stepped on the court yet. They had the classic Norwegian ability to step it up in that second half. This third quarter push we've mentioned a few times. Norway, a team that haven't been forced to use it yet, really, but were able to use it. And I want to bring up something that you said, Brian. The 48th minute, you said. (laughs) I did. You said the 48th minute, Norway going to win this game. The score is 20-20. In the 48th minute, Katrina Lunda made a huge, unexpected save. Down the other end, all of a sudden, Henny Reistad came to life and <laughs> scored the first of her few goals at the end and turned the game completely on its head again. 48 minutes, you call it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a shame I didn't call it on the last podcast. but uh, yeah, I'm giving you the credit. You're I'm giving, giving me the, the credit. There's a witness
1: here, there's a witness, yeah, here. There's a witness yeah. here, yeah. But I think also, offensively, the difference that uh, Carry Bratzett made a, in co- a combination with Katrina Lunde and goal and to the extent probably Frafjord as well I think the, that kind of changed the whole look of the Norwegian defence and they really built from that and then in attack just how they found the line again Bratzett playing a central role there over and over again was just really incredible they really carved them open at a certain points and some of the goals were absolutely beautiful I mean that's the off the goal in off the crossbar And the slow motion was probably the best slow motion of the whole tournament. It was gorgeous.
2: You have to give it to both teams. I think it was probably the best game of the tournament in terms of performance from both teams on the court. And you have to give it to Denmark for absolutely bringing their A game. They did not make a lot of mistakes. And neither did Norway. If you look at the turnover stats, Denmark only had four turnovers in the whole game. Uh, Norway had nine turnovers but you know that that I think most of them were in the first half and it, it really came down to a game of fine margins where it wasn't about unforced errors or a team losing it was a team winning and it was a battle for every goal every goal that was scored or not scored was either the attack just being that little bit better than the opposing defense or the vice versa, the defense stepping up and stopping a good attack from the other team. And looking at the game as a whole, and looking at particularly the last 15 minutes, the fine margins really came through when you uh, focus in on the line players of both teams. And in those last 15 minutes, it was the Danish line players receiving the ball from fantastic play from Denmark, But they had four opportunities to score, and they only scored one of them. While on the other side, again, the Norwegian offense was working fantastically to get those balls to the line players. But they put them away. They scored four from four. And that's the difference in the game at the end of the day. That's when Norway were able to break ahead and kind of finish off the game. So it came down to two positions, two very good teams, but... Just maybe a bit of a luck or a bit a tiny bit of skill difference between the two teams.
0: And you mentioned about the line players there, and I want to bring up the quality of the delivery into the line, particularly on Norway's side, with Steen Oftadel and Nora Merck in particular, who provided some exquisite passes in the second half. Really passes that came in that you only noticed right before the, the goal was scored. You know, they took a, a challenge, they drew in the defender, the arm was basically taken, but they just like flicked it in with the wrist. And both of them really stepped up their play in that second half. And Steen Ofstedal in particular tearing the center of that defense apart, which was such a huge contrast to the first half where the center of that Denmark defense looked so solid. And you both said there about the the opening half and the A game that Denmark had there. Do you think they could have changed anything in the second half to stop this wave of Norwegian brilliance in this comeback? I don't know. I think it's very difficult to play... Those final, the reason I said to you
1: minute 48 was I think that last part of the game against Norway, I've seen it so many times and I've seen it live so many times as well, that they put this squeeze on you in the last 10 minutes of the game and they really don't let go. And they're very, If you go down against them in the last 10 minutes, it's very, very difficult to claw, to claw back. They build up this momentum and they don't let go of it very easily. You have to, you have to do something really extraordinary to kind of... Top of that momentum if they get going because it's almost like they're increasing. They're st- they sometimes start slow and they increase over the whole game, and I think it comes down to a lot of experience with the Danish team. I mean, Jesper Jensen said it in the post-match uh, press conference. He goes, "This Norwegian team, look, they've played how many dozens of matches at that really, really high level, and they've been there and they've won loads of tournaments." And he feels like this Danish team are only discovering that now and only kind of learning his style of play or how he wants them to play. They've pushed them in friendlies before the tournament and now they've pushed them for a good 40, 45 minutes on a, on the biggest stage. So they're definitely going to be big trouble for Norway in, in the future. And I could see the, the Danish heads dropping towards the end and you could see it on the bench. Even when they're doing close ups of the face, they've kind of, they'd kind of, they felt the squeeze and some of the shots they were kind of, you knew they were going to miss them almost when they were running up to take the shots. So I think a lot of it is t- to do with experience. And I think they will get closer and closer. We saw the Dutch do it and the Dutch got closer and closer each time with this. And I think you're prob- we're probably going to see the same thing now with Denmark and over the next few years where they're going to get closer and closer to, to Norway. Do you think
2: a full arena with 15,000 Danish fans, I-, I suppose it could have been um, a lot of Norwegian fans there it's as probably well. Probably
0: about 5,000 Norwegian fans, maybe even 50-50 as well, <laughs> yeah. uh, given the <laughs> Norwegian fans to be fair. But yeah. Uh, well, sorry. Your point.
2: <laughs> so, so do you think the a full arena would have made a difference? Especially because Denmark did seize the game and they had the momentum, and potentially having the crowd behind them would have just kept pushing them forward. When they hit a bit of a wall, they could have had something. Do you think it would have made a difference, or am I just kind of presuming here?
0: I would say, if in given the positive start they had if they had that three four five goal lead i think so yeah i think they would have been pushed on i think it would have uh, prevented them from I'm not saying that they didn't give up but they, they it would have maybe prevented them from being broken through so easily and might have even made that first half difference even bigger if they would really got on top of norway there because there are there are few handball supporting nations that can do that to a team and to the opposition team. Denmark is one of those nations. When I was talking to some
1: of the Dutch players,
0: when I was in Colting, I said, what's the,
1: the most difficult part about playing in empty arenas. And they're saying there's parts of the game where you're looking for energy from somewhere and they're so used to getting the energy from the crowd and in difficult parts of the game or where it's, it's tight and it's close and you feel like you need that push and you don't get that push. And I feel Denmark would have, maybe would have needed that push maybe in the middle of the second half to get that next wave. And it, obviously there's no crowd there, so they didn't get that. So I think there, you, do have, you do have a point. That that could have been a factor, definitely, because yeah, the home crowd in, in handball is almost like an extra player sometimes.
2: The one goal that made the biggest psychological difference was that Veronica Christiansen goal at the very last second of the first half. And that cut it down from a from a four-goal lead to a three-goal lead going into the second half. But psychologically, Norway were a defeated team until that last second goal. And they got that real push of, we can do this. And I think that allowed them to step up in the second half. Again, fine margins. I saw a very good tweet after the game as well from Maria
0: Thorisdottir, who is Thoria Hergaisen's daughter, and she's a professional football player for Chelsea. She tweeted that the one thing my father always imprinted in my mind since I was a child was all that matters is about leading when the match is over. And that, I think, perfectly sums up Norway's approach to this game and Norway's approach to championship handball. I think it also fits very well with France in general as well. But they didn't really need that today because they were leading from the beginning and they built that lead up and up and up. And uh, they were leading from beginning until end. Now, we had the audio bed of Croatia leading into this one. Maybe we timed that perfectly right because the dream did come to an end. At least the dream for a medal is still alive, but the the fairy tale has come to an end somewhat. Probably not unexpectedly. I think we all expected France to win this one, but the margin that France won it by and with the pure ease they had it in the first half, I feel is the big surprise and the disappointment.
1: If you were going to say before the tournament that Croatia and France were going to play in the same group, that's kind of what you would have expected the game to look like, except it was the semi-final of the Euro. And I think it was just really disappointing for me as well, because Croatia had proved me wrong over and over again. And today they kind of looked like almost what you'd expect them to look like or what I expected them to look like before the tournament. So it was, look, it was a, they're all, their, all their first time on the big stage and you could see it in them that they were carrying a bit of stress maybe. And maybe the, the, the big lights changing to the big arena, even though there's no one in the arena, maybe got to them a little bit. It's it's still a wonderful story. And look, they still have a chance to get a medal, so they still have something to fight for uh, come Sunday.
2: I think really it came down to the Croatian team not be, being able to figure out how to deal with the personal defense on Miteevic in that game. I think it purely came down to that. It was a really good decision by France to go with that 5 plus 1 defense because it wasn't quite personal marking as we've seen where a player literally stands right beside the attacking player. It was uh Enziminko in the front with an eye on Misiewicz, but still being there to support any other action happening on the other side of the court. And so much of Croatia's attack has gone through Misiewicz. The danger she brings to that attack meant that it allowed Croatia to get space on other sides of the court. So the Defense would always close in on Micievic, and then they would have space. What France did was, they said, "Okay, we're going to shut down this danger." And one on one, we know we were, we are capable of stopping every one of these Croatian players. So they left space for the other Croatian back players to just go. You know, okay, here's one on one. Do do your best, and nine out of ten times, France just shut that down. And that was the story of the game. They shut them down. They just they allowed loads of space to the wing because they n- knew that Croatia don't like passing to the wing. They allowed so much space to the wing, and every time a backward player was going through that one and two gap, the wing player just stepped across, and it was an attacking fell. And so many times, there at one stage there was four attacks in a row where a Croatian player went through that one and two gap. And could have laid it off to the wing and they just didn't because they they haven't played like that for a tournament. So tactically, France were just wholly superior to Croatia.
0: And when we looked at the positions of both of these teams and tried to find this combined seven, every single Croatian player we looked at, we were looking at it within the scope of the tournament, which is the idea behind it. But every game we saw the Croatian team play was a proper team approach. And this is the first time they'd really been broken apart by another team and forced to play individual handball. And I'm really intrigued to know where the idea came to shut down or to keep an extra eye on Michievic. Because of all the teams in Europe, one team will have known her particularly well, and that is France, because she plays for Mets. And she has all these teammates in Mets who knows where she probably struggles in training and matches and I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before I've seen her play for Mets quite a few times this season and was not particularly impressed by her she reached a whole new level during this championship but all those Mets players in the French team would know where her weakness was and knowing that trying to beat somebody one against one from 10 meters or 11 meters was definitely one of those weaknesses because uh, she wasn't going to outpace Estelle Enziminko in the open backcourt. And overall, they just, with that 5 plus 1, sucked Croatia into this like hole in the middle where you had this great center block, uh, two very dynamic and strong uh, number twos outside of them, and Enziminko there as well. So they really, uh, they just sucked them into this hole, and Croatia really struggled. Like the attacking play looked so disheveled at an awful lot of time where they were moving around not randomly but it didn't look like structured handball attacking Uh, just trying to figure out a way to find a way through and uh, also you have to say in the first half they missed so many golden opportunities as well the creation team they did create opportunities for themselves on fast breaks on the wings as Alex said and there were so many shots that hit the post or were poor shots to the goalkeeper and I think the most incredible thing about this 15-5 halftime score was the relatively normal stats that France had in their own half of this game, because they only scored 60% of the goals. And if you think of a a 15-5 or a 10-goal lead, you're thinking, okay, the team in the lead has scored 83% of the shots. That wasn't the case. They're on 60%. And then Amadine on in goal, her stats were three saves from eight shots. So that's how many shots didn't even come to her hands or get by her because they hit the frame of the goal or they went completely wide or there were turnovers. So I think the relative normality of the French stats just highlights how bad that opening 30 minutes were for Croatia.
2: We, we spoke about uh, visionary handball tactics. Croatia didn't utilize... A tactic that Chris O'Reilly, the true visionary of handball, came up with the Irish team. So we had a situation when one of our players was taken personally. So the solution was to take out our goalkeeper, send out an extra outfield player, let the marked player stand at the halfway line with their uh, defender and play six against five in attack, which is something that Croatia could have done. They could have sent in an extra line player at some stage to open up that space or to get that advantage. They didn't go for it. It probably could have worked. But really, they they didn't try anything different than going one-on-one against the French defenders. And that was their ultimate downfall.
0: Lino Chervar will be having words because, as we all know, the Croatian men's team love a bit of seven-on-six. So. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That'll be words
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure they could really do anything else. Though, you know, talked about their style of play before and how simple it is, and not the prettiest handball you're ever going to see. And I think when you the France's defense, as you said, kind of disrupted this whole unit, and the unit is what made them strong before. And I think after that, there is no no one on the court for Croatia who has this in them has this individual flair that can really take on people one against one. Maybe someone like Mila Savjevic is the only one who could do that. But I was almost a little bit surprised about how she started the game. And uh I was saying to Chris when we were watching it, I was like, she has played a few minutes in the last game. She was brought in late into the squad. And I know she's one of her top players from Podravka, But she didn't get them to the party or she didn't get them to the dance. And she maybe isn't quite match ready yet. And she was already then... I don't know, thrown into the into the deep end. I think maybe maybe using her sparingly later in the game might have worked a bit better, and maybe mm. sticking with the players that have brought you to dance in the first place might have functioned a bit better. But they were unlucky, as you said, Chris, as well. They were they hit the post so many times, and that could have changed the game a little bit as well. And I think that made their head heads drop as well. And that's where ex- also experience comes into it too. And they don't have that experience of getting to semi finals at this level, so.
0: So before we can dive into the final, let's have a look at the bronze medal match, which is going to be at 330 on Sunday. And have France shown Jesper Jensen and Denmark the approach and how to beat Croatia? Or do you think Croatia will actually if they're fig- if they're faced with that on Sunday, they'll have a solution for it?
2: I, I think they might have a variation. I don't think they will go for the personal defence as uh, France did. Um, But they might have a variation which just pressures um, Mitjevic much more. And we know how strong this Danish defence is. And overall, I think Denmark are definitely the stronger team. But I think uh, Croatia will get the opportunity to play their game and turn it into more of a game. It's difficult
1: to see the... The paths to victory for Croatia against a team like Denmark who plays so like the this, this Scandinavian style of handball. I think they, we saw them against Norway and how much they struggled. I mean, they gave Norway a good 30 minutes, but it mm-hmm. was...
2: Maybe a- ah come on, they gave Norway fifty minutes. Yeah, you, you, you keep cutting it down. I think yeah. Denmark gave Norway fifty <laughs> minutes. They were still level at fifty minutes. Come on, you got gotta give them. Oh, no, they praise. were thirty five minutes
0: <laughs> level is in four or five goals down, maybe. Yeah, yeah but no, but I think it, it,
1: when we when we look at the game against France and Croatia today, like you are talking all about they were tactically outmastered. I think a lot of teams who went to, came up against Croatia thought going in we're going to really we we have the tactics to beat this they only do this and this and this mm. uh, but Croatia never had a second wave today and I was waiting for late in the second half I was waiting for the second wave and it just it, it felt like there was nothing there it was almost like they were spent almost energy not really energy wise but they were just maybe the occasion got to them a little bit but I feel like they, you might see a second wave against Denmark uh, when there's not as much pressure and it's only a bronze medal online, line not a the first time ever to make it to a final kind of pressure mm. so I think I think it'll be definitely more of a game than we saw today against France. But I'd still fancy Denmark to do it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple of things there that will play to Croatia's advantage a little bit. The motivation, I think, will be higher on Croatia's side. Of course, Denmark are going to fight really hard to get a bronze medal.
2: I don't know. I think I was just about to make a point that I think Denmark will be more motivated because for Croatia, they have achieved way beyond what they were hoping for. They, they've had this huge achievement of a semi-final place. That's much more than it could have expected. And if they go home today, they're going to be happy either way, even if they lose with kind of two final weekend games. For Denmark, a bronze medal in a home championship is still a big achievement. And that's something that they will really, really want. And I think the motivation is a bit more on Denmark's. I
0: reckon both sides are going to feel a little bit of the... The motivation and the pressure that comes with it because bronze medal for croatia will be like a potentially a a once-in-a-lifetime thing for them and they also don't want to go out of this championship with two heavy losses and having the likes of brian campion doubting them for the next four years you know (laughs) (laughs) at every turn (laughs) <laughs> a flash in the pan, a flash in the pan. Well, that's literally what he was saying during the, <laughs> during the game. Uh, that's the now they're back to their level, back to the level. They'll be they'll be drawing games against the Faroe Islands in the next qualifiers. Now, I never said that. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, there will be a bit of pressure on the Danish side. I think because it will be a big achievement for them. They'll want to go out in a high. They too will want to prove that. They deserve to be here. I think we can accept that both really deserve to be here at this stage of the competition. I reckon it's going to be a tight game because these bronze medal games generally are. Denmark, though, will, for me, have the edge in the tactical side of things, the individual quality, and probably the depth in the squad. And the depth of the squad is the thing that when we spoke about France against Croatia in the semifinal, we said that was going to make the difference. It didn't really have to come to that point because it was over after 15 minutes. But that could be the difference in the bronze medal game. I know you're saying I'm doubting them, by the way. But if you asked me to pick a winner of the bronze medal, if I could pick one to
1: win, I'd yeah. pick Croatia every single time. But let me just get that clear. Yeah, I'm not hating for the sake of hating. <laughs> no. I would love, absolutely love to see Croatia beat Denmark and get a bronze medal. That, I mean, that, that's a wonderful story as it mm. is. So that's, that's if I could pick it, I'd actually pick that.
0: Alex, you wouldn't, obviously. i wouldn't i I would pick denmark to to do it but we haven't seen alex fall for a group of players like this since brazil at the 2019 men's handball world championship you're swooning over these danish women and rightly so they've been fantastic both sides have had uh, a run which many didn't expect i was going to say we all didn't expect but Alex and I's prediction for the three medals are right on course at the moment because we both went for Norway to win gold, France to win silver, and Denmark to win bronze, which is uh, astonishing. But will that be the case in the final, gentlemen? How do we break down this final now? I think it's safe to say that
1: they are clearly the two best teams in the competition, and this is the real final. You talked earlier, Alex, about some of the best games we've seen. And I think Denmark were in two of those games. So one today against Norway, and then probably the game against Russia was probably another massive game and one of the most entertaining games in the tournament. France then took care of Denmark fairly handily. So they beat them twenty-three twenty. And I remember, I remember being quite impressed about how they did that as well. So if I said it was forty-eight minutes with Denmark today that Denmark will be able to hold or to keep uh, hold their own against Norway for forty-eight minutes, I think we're moving more into the fifty-five minute territory now against France. So I think it'll go a little bit more down to the wire.
2: So who who will come out stronger? Do you think we'll have a game where one team comes out stronger, another one comes back or that's the way handball usually goes. So who will come out stronger?
1: I'd imagine it'd be almost very similar to today. You know, and I think the, the reason Norway held back Katrina Lunde was, I mean, I said it to when we were watching that so she's going to come on and she's going to change the game. And I think they know that they know that they, they have they've played these championship games before you have to get the f- first half over with stay in the game and the, the real handball starts after 45 minutes you know and that's when you need to be really flying so i'd imagine it could be fairly identical to, today, to today's game but maybe a little bit closer
2: but france have been playing like that this whole tournament where they've been home, holding back in the first half and then making that third quarter push they didn't even need to, to do that Uh, in the semi-final game so i think france will be prepared for that and i think if france can come out strong that will be the key i think if france come out as the strong side and take the lead i think they will be able to hold on to it i don't know if they will but i think the first 15 minutes but might be the key or the 15 minute mark because it's usually quite equal for the first part of every game The 15-minute mark might decide the game.
0: It seems to me, and I want to draw a line here to indoor track cycling. Bear with me. And the sprint event. You know where both of the riders are waiting basically for that final, it's the final two laps. That really count for the time and also to finish the race. But until then, they're just like jinking in and out of one another. Sometimes they go way up high in the bank on the edge and they're practically not moving. They're moving, but they're not moving, just waiting for the first one to make the move so they can be the one to to dr- go in behind them and use the slipstream to, to get by them at the end. And it sounds like the way you're talking, is like both teams are going to approach the game like that. They're going to be the one who wants to chase and to get that momentum in the second half to turn things around and then close it out. And uh that could be the case. We could be we could have like eight seven at half time with just both teams <laughs> battering each other because that's what I really loved about the Denmark Norway game in the first half. It was so incredibly physical as well. I think both th- teams are gonna really dive into that physical nature. I think when France get into a game like that, they're gonna really relish it. I think that's what they enjoy most and Norway will try maybe to to avoid that a little bit. And to get their goals from fast breaks and to maybe get the easy goals like penalties as they as they did at times against Denmark when they were struggling. Yeah, that's. it's really going to all be about the second half. But both teams are very capable of stringing off running goals really quickly. Could happen in the first half as well and try and create a lead which is unsurmountable. Now that I think about it, saying that both teams are really gonna call it in for the first half sounds ridiculous. Of course they're not. They're gonna come out at a hundred percent. But both sides will really fancy their chances as long as there is a game to be won in that second half. But what you're saying there basically is what I mean kinda happened today as well. Mm. That
1: nowhere went into the dressing room and they basically were told, Go out in the second half and express yourselves more and open mm. up. And that's when you open up is what you're talking about. Norris wingers could be something which could tip the, the balance a little bit. We, we've talked about where France's strengths lie, and we know it's all a lot of the backcourt. And the French wingers, while while very good, they're, I think France don't have anyone close to the level of Camilla Herum on, on either of their wings. So that, that could be something where, where I look at going, that maybe that could be an, an aspect of the game which could tip it.
0: I think both squads are full of players who can contribute in this final. And it's going to be a case of a couple of players really stepping up. I don't think this is going to be a final where you're going to have the big names not show up and, and mm-hmm. kind of ruin the game for them. It's going to be a few stars that uh, have a huge impact out of nowhere. Frafjord was a great example today. She came in and scored a goal in attack, having had two shots, no goals for the whole championship. Heidi Lucker could come in for that final game mm-hmm. and have a huge impact as well yeah it's just it's super exciting i i think it's going to be the challenge that norway had today against denmark but ramped up a little bit more particularly in the french defense and also the the way that the french uh, players attack as well they're not going to get stuck in the way the danes did in that second half yeah. they have a lot more dynamism i think definitely so oh it's uh as much as i would have been happy enough for denmark to win that one Seeing France and Norway play for the first time this championship in the final is an absolute treat. We've beat this point to death a million
1: times in the podcast that you need to have a massive uh, goalkeeper performance in a final to win a final. If you're going to put your money on now, just from what you've seen in the tournament so far, the two keeper duos. So you have Leno and uh, Cleopatra Dallo on one side, and then you have uh, Katrina Lunde and you have uh, Solberg for 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 Norway. If you're gonna put your money on it now, who do you think is more likely to have a, a championship win in performance? I go
0: for Leno and Darlo.
2: I'd go for Leno as well because she, we've seen her do that in finals before. So we know she has it in we have obviously we've seen a lot of the Norwegian goalkeepers having incredible games, but having that extra level, I think Leno has more potential to have an absolutely extraordinary game versus the Norwegian goalkeepers who will be guaranteed to have a very good game. I don't know whether they can have this extraordinary game. Uh, one question I have is, do you think France will come out with some sort of tactical variation that we saw in the semi-final? Will they have something up their sleeves for no- Norway? Because obviously they've probably had a lot of time to prepare for the Norway game, even before the tournament, I'm sure they were thinking that to win this championship, they will have to go through Norway. Do you think they will have some sort of tactical variation going into the final that may disrupt Norway, or will they just go out normally?
1: We talked about which position is Norway's weakest position, you know, and it's very easy to pick out when you're talking about Croatia. I mean, we we could almost pick out if you if you take out uh, Camilla out of the equation. Quish are, are we're a bit of a different team try and isolate someone in the Norwegian team I think you can really open yourself up so if I knew the answer to that I think I'd be a, a wonderful coach
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I just I you know Olivier Crumholes, I think you know just do what he did in semi-final balls out one player out in the top disrupt that backcourt trio take one of them out at play and say okay what can two of you do against this can you find the line in that way? Can you get the ball moving in the way that uh, you usually do? So to, in particular, try to take out either Merck or Oftedal mm. and isolate Christiansen a little bit, isolate Henny out if she's there and say, okay, you, you two do it on the left back position. Mm. I don't think it hurts. I think the, the five other players in that French defense have enough about them and have the speed, have the agility to, to deal with one-on-one play. And, uh, yeah, just give something, give Norway something they haven't faced so far in this championship.
2: Actually, my theory is a bit of the opposite of the, to that because one weakness we saw from Norway in the first half is that their starting backcourt of Veronica Christiansen, Oftedal, and Mark is relatively short for a backcourt, so they can't shoot over the top. They they had to rely on. A lot of uh, standing shots, which were blocked by Denmark in the first half repeatedly, and they couldn't quite make the space to go one on one. They they did it once in a while, but in the first half against Denmark, that was you, you could see that they were struggling, and it was only when Henny that came in as the big shooter that it opened things up a little bit more. So I think that could be something to target and. Basically try to stand back, not be too aggressive, because those Norwegian backward players will take you one-on-one the the second they get the chance and they will beat you. But try to defend as a unit standing back, and that might work. That's that's my personal opinion. I don't know in practice, does that work out? Because they'll probably make a lot of space for the wings, etc. But in a way, you're cutting out. The, the biggest danger of the players kind of going one-on-one and then passing to the line or the wings
0: i think if that is the case and that is the approach that norway will be quicker to bring that into the game i think she's proven herself now in a semi-final in the crunch time and i think her garrison will be happy to throw her in maybe even start uh maybe uh, it could be it will be a little bit of a, a, a tactical mind games between the two how they both start a bit like how Uh, lunda didn't start this game and solberg did but maybe rysad can start a left back in the final or if not and the speed one against one uh, and and flowing attack doesn't work and they need a bit of height a bit of jump shooting then rysad will come in a lot earlier than she did today you said this game today
1: against denmark so no denmark is going to go to overtime but i feel like this one has a lot more potential to go to overtime i think this could really go down to to the wire yeah very difficult to call Easier
0: to call for Norway, though, still at the moment, if I, I feel. I don't know. what. What's your gut feeling? It's been Norway since the beginning. Yeah. I can't uh, bail on them now. I think it'll be a really close game. I think it definitely has the potential of going to extra time. Mm. They've played finals against each other in the past. 2017 was a great final between the two of them. And I think it's going to be a great final as well. No team is going to collapse in this game, I feel i think it's going to be like two or three goals between them all the way through the 60 minutes and uh could go to extra time yeah but i'm sticking with norway for this one
2: what's your good feeling alex so i want to stick with norway because i i, I have been with them from the start and it would make my pre-tournament predictions completely right but i will hedge myself on this one i'm gonna i'm gonna go with france I just uh, so, I someone
1: has to, you know, because we need to keep our reputation solid here, you know. If we all go
0: for all
2: as go a for group, Norway. I think it, it helps us as a group if I go for France. So I will go for France, taking the taking hit. Taking the hit.
0: Uh, Brian said that, uh, of course. Brian doesn't believe any of the wrong choices he made in this championship. He's doing it for the team. Always, right. always, so yeah. So you're going for France, are you? <laughs> you're going for Norway, Brian? I go
1: for Norway. Yeah. I got it. Uh, I got one right today.
0: Anyway, final score. Give us, let's go for the actual scores here. What's the final score going to be? What do you reckon, Brian? 24 23 to Norway. To Norway, okay. Well, that's,
1: that, well that's, you know, that's, that's actually, no, that's after full time because I, I said it goes extra time, so yeah. that should be, should be a bit higher than that. Yeah. So let me say, okay, 28 27 after. Because I think that should be quite low scoring. So I'm going to say 28 20, 27 after extra, overtime. extra time. I think there's going to be large parts of the game where
2: there'll be few goals. What do you reckon, Alex? to France in normal time.
0: I'm going to go after extra time, 30.28 to Norway. There you go. There you go. So you've heard our predictions. What do you think? Listeners, please get in touch with us on our social media channels and give us your predictions for the final. You can find us at Handball Hour on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Also, if you fancy an old email between now and Sunday, handballhour at gmail.com. We've got the big one in the final. Norway against France, six o'clock on Sunday evening. And we'll be back with our final podcast of EHF Euro 2020 on Monday morning. So until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the final.
1: As we say in French, Chris.
0: Au revoir.